I mean, I think it was like the early 80s when this happened. I don't even remember the four-legged duck. Hello, everybody. Here we are. It's uh, Busy Phillips is doing her best. Episode four. It really feels like, oh, Jesus. Just knocked my arm on this plate that I have all my crystals and crystal necklaces on that were sitting in the windowsill last night getting charged. And then, you know, this is Wednesday. So the full moon was technically this a.m. very early, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., something like that. But I go always, I'm always charging when the moon is waxing. When it gets to this point where we're in the last like two, three days, I always just put those crystals in the moonlight and just try to get some as much positive waxing charge in there as possible. That's good though, because I feel like you can't put it off. I, I too have a little um, tray for my crystals to be mm-hmm. um, charged. And mm-hmm. uh, I do when I'm like, oh, look at the moon. I'll just put them out there. Take what I can yeah. get. Because I'll forget. Well, you, be, you do want to be careful on a waning moon though. You don't, you don't want wanna, the power yeah. to be sucked out, Shantara. Yeah. It's Shantara like, Jackson, everybody. Say hi to her. Hi. Your I'm friend. A, I'm a crystal bitch. We all are crystal bitches. We're all little witchy. This has been a particularly interesting time to be a person that feels uh, the weight of the universe in a lot of ways. Yeah. Casey. And before before you... Hi, it's Casey. (laughs) Um, And uh, before anyone writes in and says, you know, oh, I know people delight in being like, oh, crystals are bullshit. Well, you know what? It can't fucking hurt. At this point, at this point, I'm willing to try anything. I want to hit things from all sides. That's yeah. where I'm at. Like legitimately with this thing that I've been fighting in my body, whatever, we're now, I'm taking 47 different kinds of like herbs and supplements from this herbalist guy, Michelle's guy in New York. Also taking an antibiotic guys, cause let's just do it. You know what I mean? What other angle? Also doing so much therapy. Lots of talking yeah. about all of these things. Yeah. So in the hopes that one of these things is going to work. Oh, also taking a brief hiatus from um, drinking because I think I need to just like give my system a rest. Not to say that, you know, maybe one of those things would have worked. Maybe. We'll never know which one it was yeah. if I get better. <laughs> Which is cares as long as it works. Which is like always the thing with me. Like I'll I'll always like I'll have an issue or something and I'll I won't do like a process of elimination. Like try this thing. It didn't work. Try this thing. It didn't work. I'm like, let's try everything. And then we (laughs) won't know what it is that did work, but at least I'll feel better. So that's where I'm at right now. Um, but I do have to say this is a song that has been in my head for uh you know that I wake up in the morning with songs like stuck in my head, right? Like like specific lines. Oh. Do you know that? Yeah, yes. I didn't know that. You didn't? I think it's a it's actually some tied a little bit to like OCD. Um it's 11-11, guys. I want you all to make, <gasps> make a, a wish. wish. Okay. Um but wait, let me see if I have it. I've had that stuck in my head on a loop. Just FKA Twigs saying, 
It's a sad day for sure. She um, does pole dancing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of her show, she brings out a pole and she pole dances for you and sings at the same time. And it is um, very cool and hot and impressive. (laughs) It's just like... She did it on the Grammys this year, right? Like Usher did a tribute to Prince. Did you guys watch the VMAs? I just watched clips of what I I felt old. I felt old. I can't watch a whole VMAs right now. I just, I like to go on Twitter and see what people are upset about or what they enjoy and then just watch clips of that. I'm like, oh, this is the moment where I'm just too fucking old for anything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And... Uh, Kiki was amazing. You know, She's my, always. I'm like, I love Kiki, and I think she did like a nice job. And um, but then like Lady Gaga, like I was like very like v confused by some of the things she was saying. I think it just must be hard to like. I don't know how you, I don't know how you like do that right now in the world. It's really hard. Go to yeah. like go to an award show and like accept an award. Not I'm, and again, I have zero shade for anyone who's going to go to an award show and accept a, an award. I just personally am thinking like I don't know how you do that. Casey did the thing on Twitter where you post the photo from January where you have no idea or what's to come or whatever. <laughs> like, not you know, most of us had no idea what's to come, and I didn't do it, but I was looking. I it did make me look, and I have all these photos of me and Michelle at the. Golden Globes, you know? And I was uh, like, oh, yeah, that's, like, definitely antithetical to this moment right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, celebrating yeah. a well-deserved nod for her incredible acting, but at the same time, like, what? okay, I get, you know, like, putting on... Here's the what? good news. I'm not nominated for any awards <laughs> currently, so I don't Oh, yeah, no, me neither. I didn't worry. even vote for the Emmys. <laughs> like, I, you know, I get the... I'm a voter. I'm in the... I'm in the whatever yeah. Emmy thing. And I just like was like, what? I don't know. What are we even talking about? I can't, I can't focus on that. This week was so sad. I've been so sad. I know you guys have been sad. Yeah, I, I've been sad. Yeah. I have been sad. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I feel like overall We're there's gonna... a blanket sadness. I think we've talked about this before, like the duality of it all, like, like being grateful, but then just like there's like a blanket sadness because we have empathy for the whole world. And then there's just like shit that happens that you're like, not now. <laughs> not now. Right. Not now. Chad, and obviously Chadwick Boseman was not a thing that anybody saw coming. And it like following the week with Jacob Blake and then the 17-year-old kid opening fire and then just how out of control everything in the world seems. I feel like a lot of people, like I didn't know him and He's I He's the first celebrity what, I ever cried for. Truly. Oh, wow. It felt per, it felt like it felt very personal to so many people and it felt like an insult, you know? But in terms of the way that Chadwick Boseman chose to live the end of his life, I have such admiration for, you know, just that what he was going Mm -hmm. through was what he was going Mm -hmm. through and he didn't, he wasn't sharing it and that's okay. I also think that there was, you know, there was a, there's a piece of it a little bit, which is like, you know, he did some incredible and really important and representative work in these last years while he was sick. And if Hollywood producers and directors and people knew that he was sick, I don't think 
that that would have, I don't know if they would have, I mean, you guys, I couldn't get insured when I was pregnant with Birdie yeah, to work yeah, on a movie. Yeah. Like, I they mean, wouldn't, also the a Marvel producers movie? were like, it's just too expensive. We're not, you know, like we can't take the chance. What if you, like, what if something happens? You go into labor early. Oh, well, and, I'm, Beyond the liability, it's a liability. It, it's, yeah. So beyond the liability issues that anyone might have had, it also would have just changed the way that people right looked and, at the, him. and right. He was in the business of playing very powerful, iconic characters. And the minute that you plant that seed in someone's head, like that, I'm sick, and you know, then people start to get ideas about what you can accomplish and what you can do with your life. And you know, now we know the truth. He could do anything. Yeah. While yeah. He was and that's here, and like and he did that's. It. I mean. Also, I think it also speaks to the way that he was battling cancer and um, I have friends that were close with him, you know, that he didn't, he really was like, I'm going to beat it. Like, you know, I think he was, I think he was fighting the whole time and wasn't going to let it like slow him down or yeah, Stop him. I, I saw and, a quote from that. They were like, how are you doing? And he was like, man, I can't wait to live to tell you. And it's so mm-hmm. it feels so ominous now. But like him just being like, soon as is over, I can't wait to tell y'all what I did for you, you know, and for himself. But yeah, it was like I drove to the beach to like look at something nice. Yeah. <laughs> we drove to the beach and yeah. we turned off our phones and I looked at the sunset. And I looked at the moon come up and I walked up the stairs and Chad Mc- Chadwick Boseman had died. And I was like, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> I was so sad. Yeah. Uh, and it was like, 2020 has been wild. You just watch the sun go down and then you see that like one of the brightest stars ever kind of left us and the impact that he made and like I think that we've all been really sad about the whole world but like I think this was like the first time that people were like oh like I don't know I don't know the last time a star like a movie star passing impacted a community the way that it did like everybody loved him everybody was like fuck um (laughs) right so and also, I think it gave us, like, an outlet for collective yes, mourning. to cry. You know, I think, like, this was, like, a reason that cracked everybody open. I, I just wish it wasn't such a real, real yeah. reason. I mean, the the truth is, I've been thinking a lot. This week feels like, also, I do think in the world and politically and everything, it feels a little bit, like, spinning off the rails. My therapist said this thing to me, like, like six months ago um, about... Specifically, like, about a thing I was going through, but she was like, you know, um, there's a theory in family therapy that um, a child in crisis Mm -hmm. will devolve and continue to devolve until the point at which the adult in charge comes in and takes complete control of the situation and the child feels like they're going to be taken care of, whatever that looks like and whatever that means. And And then that's where they'll level out. But like, um, until that moment, a kid will like continue to unravel, unravel, to spiral. And I've just been thinking about that so much. I've read some, I read some articles about like what's happening in the country. And even with Chadwick, I was so, you know, my Twitter is like, yeah, like I'm, I mostly follow people who are in line with the things that I believe because I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to get like outrageously angry when I read, when I like log on to Twitter, but somebody retweeted some 
woman who was like, Yashar Ali retweeted some woman who was like something about like, did did Chadwick Boseman really die of cancer? Like, you know, like some conspiracy Somewhere theory conspiracy. Yeah. that like has to do yeah. with, I don't, I'm, I assume, I didn't even like dig deeper into it. I assume it's like the Illuminati or whatever, right? And I was just like, oh no, I can't deal with this. This is where we're at. To me, the United States at this point is a child in crisis and it is just devolving and devolving because there is no adult that is like coming in and taking complete control of the situation and saying like, okay, guys, guess what? The truth actually is the truth and it still exists. Science still is science and it exists. Um, You know, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. Everybody like, let's de-escalate this situation. I just like, we need, we need parents. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, we for sure do. And we, I I don't know what the solution is because I mean, you see, I know you're not on Facebook busy. Me neither. (laughs) But you see it, you, you just see it. Like you can see, you know, people from my high school believe the, like, people are lizard people and that we're being controlled by mind controllers with umbrellas. Like, here's the thing. Like, there is, there, there is, obviously, there are bad things yeah. in this world. There are terrible things yeah. in this world. But the trick, I, the greatest trick, I guess, the devil ever pulled was uh, getting people to focus on fairy tales to like avoid them having to confront the reality of the work and the minutia and like honestly the boredom of actually changing a system like it's arduous and it's long and it's a grind and it's not fun and it's boring and it's bureaucratic and there are like things and steps that you have to take. And it's so much easier, I think, for people to be like, the monster is the pedophiles in Hollywood and like come on my fucking Instagram and ask me where Birdie is because they think I've like sex trafficked my own child because I haven't posted her for a week. Like these motherfuckers are wild. It's wild. But- I mean, look at look at the Nexium documentary. You're going I, to haven't watch it. I haven't I watched watch it. I didn't. I haven't watched it yet. It's wild. I mean, these are people that some of these people are people that we work with in our industry. Not that I've ever directly, but Mark the, worked with Alison. If you look Mack. at the, wait, hold on. Yeah, if you look at I'm like the head podcast. of this, what? I did. I haven't heard back yet. Birdie. <laughs> it's fine, Mark. It's there fine. she is. Not. Not sex um, um, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait. No, Mark worked with Allison Mack. Um, on what? Yeah. And I mean, he did on a pilot that they, it was, I can't remember if it was the pilot or they did, they had a TV show the same year as Freaks and Geeks, like 1999. Oh. It was called um, The Opposite. This is pre Smallville. I only know. Oh, yeah. Smallville. I yeah. tested for that part for you know Smallville, from, Shantara. Yeah. You would have been great. Yeah. I didn't get it. I watched. (laughs) I didn't get it. I watched eight seasons of Smallville. I dropped out the last two. It was a little too much. But it could have been me. I could have been in next for sure. Nah, busy. Busy. You know you wouldn't have been in next year. I wouldn't have fallen for it. I'd be like, I'm sorry. What are we doing? No, the point is, if you're watching, if you know anything about the Nexium Hollywood cult, this guy who's just like the nerdiest guy in your middle school, like the nerdiest guy that ever asked you out, and you know, just like a. Some kind of D&D looking motherfucker. <laughs> you know, he just like, he was able to get people to join this cult just by telling them they're special. And then once they were hooked, 
making all these like out, like insane demands and they submitted to being branded like it's that wild truly yeah insane people working people professional actors and filmmakers in Hollywood were like thank you for telling me this thing that I needed to hear. Yes, I'm loyal to you for all eternity. Please burn me with that. Everybody needs a group chat. Guys, okay, which brings (laughs) us to this. We've gotten a lot of submissions. We're going to do the cutoff date is, let's do it 48 hours from now. And then we can can put them together this weekend. Yeah. So so by Friday, by Friday at noon, Noon Pacific. Get your if you wanna if you wanna be paired into a group chat. I think we're gonna do. We'll depend. We'll see what the final numbers are. Like three or four people. You really can't have more than four people in yeah. a group chat. I then mean, it's it just gets, it's too much. It's too many pings. It's too many pings. I'm on one <laughs> that is like sometimes so ridiculous. Like I will come back to my phone and it's 500 messages, and I'm like, guys, I can't. I'm not reading these. But okay, so. So Friday at at noon, if you want to be put into a group chat, send uh, your name, your phone number, I guess, right? Is to, are we asking for the phone numbers? How do we do it? No, I just the we'll, emails. We'll We're going to put people, people on the email. Up on their email. And then you guys can do the rest. And then they right. can take it yeah. from um, there. So, yeah. So just, just send an email with a few of your interests, mm-hmm. what you're interested in. What do you want to gossip about? We'll try to, like, is it like... Yeah, exactly. Ben Affleck and Anna Diarmos? Is it like... Is it like social justice... <laughs> things is it politics yes. is, is it, it baking like, what's your vibe is it, is it baking yeah what what's do your you vibe? want to have a safe space to say some things so that you don't bust it out on twitter and get and, fired from your job and get fired from your job um noon pst right noon our time yeah noon, yeah noon yeah PST. and also just in your email Maybe say that you give us permission to introduce you to other friends yes. of the podcast yeah we're gonna need we're just gonna need some like, yes, legal. <laughs> we're, none of we're us not are lawyers. lawyers. We're just doing our best to guess at what the law is. Okay, so listen. So, like, I know that this has been a lot of sadness, and and we've all been having a hard time. And but there's and I don't know light. about you. I've been like doing my best through it. I've made some decisions. I'm like, guess what? Like, all the alcohol and pie isn't actually making me feel better. So I'm gonna like just take a quick break on that and like try to focus on eating putting healthy things into my body but not like being crazy and like you know being focused on that either because that's not healthy just a happy medium a happy medium I just need a happy like I had (laughs) for instance for instance let me give you a for instance so last night after my two hours of therapy with my therapist who I love I did get my petty cash nachos that I love I ordered them I picked I picked them up and I ate those nachos what I did not have is the three margaritas that I normally have with the nachos. And let me tell you something. I slept better. I feel fine today. I don't feel like gross and like, oh, really did it last night. You know, like I feel fine. Yeah. Happy medium. So I think I think that's kind of like that was my happy. That's my happy medium. I'm not giving up all of the things, but I'm just trying to be more aware. I'm trying to be more in tune. So I'm doing my best. Shantira, you're continuing to do your best with baking, and there's another exciting thing. Are you allowed to say? Uh, I mean, I am. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you should. It's we're I, really proud of you. I have. I'm not, I wasn't posted about it yet, but yeah, I got a job uh, writing for Amber Ruffin's new show, which is Yay! so exciting. 
Busy gave me oh. some beautiful flowers. You can't see them, but they're behind uh. me. And a bottle of whiskey that I will be drinking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it was so uh, cool. It's really exciting. She's like my fun it's black so aunt. Exciting. So it's like super fun. I also am doing my best at, um, I have hair now. If anybody knows me from the last seven years, when Busy met me, my head was shaved and then I shaved it and it was blonde and shaved. And this is the first time I've ever like, I've had like more than like a half an inch of hair in the last like seven years. (laughs) So I'm doing my best at being able to do my own hair. Now, I know that that is a big thing too for like a lot of ladies growing their hair out right now. But like I had to buy products. I had to, I had to buy brushes. I didn't have that many brushes. I didn't have no hair. I have a teeny weeny (laughs) afro. TWA is what the black folks call it. But yeah, I, I'm doing my best at like, oh, this is the thing. Also, like I cut my hair and then I thought it was just for me. But now that I've gone in therapy, like a part of it was like to piss off my mom, you know, because she'd be like, is it going to grow back? And I'd be like, mm-hmm. never. But now me and my mom's relationship is way better. And I can grow my hair out. Oh, my God. Tinker, I love that. Hair, hair. It's like a metaphor for your whole relationship. Is. Like the the amount of hair you have is the amount of goodness in your relationship. Truly. I feel all, like everybody can relate to that. I swear, all I feel like all women have a lot of stuff tied to their hair. And it like really signifies a lot to women and maybe men too. I don't know though about that as much. But I do know that like at times in my life, like cutting, chopping my hair off, dyeing my hair, yeah. like cutting bangs, never a good idea. You know, bangs in crisis, guys. Do People not do it. Yeah. Do, it. <laughs> do not do it. Birdie was going to shave her head during during the shutdown, the lockdown and stuff. And I was just like, girl, if you if we get out of this situation and you want to shave your head, I am all for it. But this is a decision that you are making in crisis. Yes. I feel like in 24 hours, you are not going to be okay with that. I think right. growing so, your hair out right. during crisis has been way more efficient than cutting my hair during crisis. So well, like, you know, there's yeah. also like theories, especially like I have a friend who had locks for uh-huh. a long time that like you hold a lot of energy in your hair. Yeah. And so like sometimes when you're moving into new phases of your life, you either like you cut it or yeah. you grow it out. I'm um, in the growing stage. As a little as a little girl, my grandmother had hair. Her hair grew all the way down to like her her little ankle boots. Oh, she had a, she had horse girl hair. She's a cricket. Boots. She's a cricket. Yeah, cricket and they and they uh, would braid it and put it all up in buns. And she was really sickly. And the doctor back in like the nineteen nineteens or whatever was like, all her strength is going into her hair. You have to allow her to cut it because her parents like loved her long, beautiful hair that they would then pin up. So uh, yeah, so she got like a little short bob. Was she still a little, sick? A little. Um, Nope, she was like fine. <laughs> I think it probably had more to do with the fact that her hair probably weighed more than yeah. she did, and it hurts to have your scalp tugged on. Also, by the way, Cricket. Just I just want to say because Cricket does have that long hair that we braid, but she that is her that is her choice. She wants to keep that hair. I have asked her if she would like to cut it anytime she wants to cut it. It is. I am here with the scissors. Um, she doesn't want to cut it. She loves it. Casey, what are you doing your best at? Um, I don't, I've been struggling a little bit this week, just not because of everything in the world alone. That would be enough, but just like so many of my friends got amazing news this week 
and I'm so happy for them and proud of them. And, you know, but then I do that dumb thing where I compare myself mm. to them and that starts to make me spiral a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I love my friends and I love when my friends are super successful at things. Um, and I never, never want them to be modest about that. I want them to brag and I want to brag about them. Yeah. But I have to learn how to stop doing that thing where I'm like, well, what, what's happening with me? Like, what am I doing wrong? So I've been trying to like channel that energy into, um, home decor DIY projects that will probably be a disaster. Let me know if you uh, need any help. I got a new, (laughs) I got a new drill a month ago. Ooh, I love a drill. Yeah, I'm just, I'm trying to do two projects at one time. It'll probably come out to be the equivalent of like when your grandma would knit like a half Barbie, <laughs> half, half crochet toilet paper holder to give you for a gift when you were a kid. Did you guys have that? No, my, my grandma was really good at those things. Like she made an entire set of Winnie the Pooh dolls for <gasps> me. Uh- and one for my sister. Very cute. Um, and she like made all these doll clothes for my Cabbage Patch kids that were like beautifully sewn and stuff. Like I Moot, love it. Moot yeah. was like a real Moot was a real special grandma that in that way. <laughs> she was also like both of my grandmothers were really talented at that stuff too. It just was sometimes the choices. <laughs> like I my my half Barbie, half toilet paper doll was beautifully done it just w- wouldn't necessarily it was like be the what barbie I've... like coming out of the top, top. of the po- crochet yeah. paper. Oh, and then like the toilet saying. paper was like her, her skirt, skirt? Yes. that's weird yeah. that's like one of those cakes i've made yeah. those cakes before yes yeah. um no no i never got that although my um aunt my who was like my godmother who passed away uh like last fall dorothy she made me she crocheted me a four-legged duck. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, so cute. And I know, but then, and my dad, I remember there was like this whole conversation with her where my dad was like, why did you give, why Why does the duck have four feet? And she's like, <laughs> I thought that they did. <laughs> it was like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> and she got so upset and she took it back. And then <gasps> it became like this. No, this was like, I mean, I think I was like the, early 80s when this happened. I don't even remember the four-legged duck. And then she took it back and it became, but over the years it like became, it transitioned into this like funny joke and she could like, (laughs) she could joke about it. And then she made me one like 10 years ago. I got one. So So I have a crocheted four-legged duck, which was really funny. (laughs) Um, Well, guys, she was just doing her best. I mean, she really was. She really was. And like, we, we all, we all are, you know, like we, sometimes you think a duck has four legs. So, I mean, you know about my FL ounces thing, right? Do I need to say this again? <laughs> What's this? Wait, you, you, you don't know this? No. That I thought, okay, you know, like when you're measuring yeah. in cooking and it says FL ounces. Fluid ounces. Mm-hmm. I thought it stood for something called floor ounces, which was a unit of measurement used for liquid that I completely made up until literally like a year into my marriage with Mark and we were cooking something in the kitchen and he's like, how much do I need? And I was like, I think they said eight floor ounces. And he's like, I'm sorry, what? 
And I was like, eight four ounces. And he's like, what are four ounces? And I was like, floor, you know, floor ounces are like the unit of measurement, FL. It stands for floor. And he's like, it most certainly does not stand for floor. That's like you are 32 years old. How long, how many people have you said floor ounces to? I mean, for whatever reason, it was stuck in my head. I also had... Like, I had a few things like that. Like, I thought, oh, that my aunt who passed away, for some reason, I conflated a story that I heard when I was little about her, and I thought she was adopted. And she <laughs> wasn't adopted. <laughs> and I found that out, like, in my 20s. I asked my mom, like, so when Dorothy was adopted, like, da-da-da-da-da, my mom's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Your dad has two sisters. They're both his sisters. And for some reason, I had heard a story as a kid, and I just, like... I don't know, just made this thing up and lived with it. Do you have anything like that? Were you? When I was little, I thought I had a twin sister that passed away. <gasps> so, I mean, because I found my baby book and it had a different name than my name. Wait, filled what? out. We need to talk it, about that. What? <laughs> it's such a long story, but the upshot is that, like, my mom intended to name me one thing. What was it? And then Cassandra. Oh, which okay. I didn't, I wasn't even familiar with that name. Oh, wait, and was this, I think I know, I know this story. And then okay. officially on my yeah. birth certificate, maybe because my mom was like unconscious because it was the 70s, <laughs> yeah. um, I was named a nickname, Casey, and that was like just what they officially went with since it was on my birth certificate, legal. So then when I, I found my baby book when I was like seven or something in the attic and it was filled out for Cassandra and I was like, oh shit, I had a twin sister that died because it was my birthday. And so I remember like being sick to my stomach, getting up my courage all day. I was like, I have to bring this up to my parents. And they like weirdly like took me bowling because it was summer that evening. And then so I remember at the little like bowling score table, I just blurted out, did I have a twin sister that died? And my parents were like, what the fuck are you talking about? Oh my God. I do not have so a story. Did, There's nothing better than that. I don't have anything wait. that's like that. I love that. Well, guys, if floor ounces resonates with you, <laughs> let me know. I still think, I still believe it could be a unit of measurement. It probably Listen, is. Listen, this week was definitely um, tricky and full of things, sadness, and it was not easy for everyone. However, I do, we just have to acknowledge one person in the news and the media who really was doing her best, their best together. Niecy Nash got married and oh! to singer Jessica Betts and the pictures are beautiful and they look so happy. Gay rights, motherfuckers. I took it to the group chat. <laughs> I took, took it to it the, the group chat. I was... Our group chat was on fire okay. about Nisi Nash yesterday. First of all, Nisi Na Nash is so talented, so hot, the coolest. Black, I've loved her forever. I've loved black, her forever. Femme, gay, out, America 2020, come get it. Then, then the thing about it is, nobody <laughs> knew. I, my gaydar is good. I'd be like, she gay. I did not know. <laughs> Nobody knew. The timeline, black Twitter, the group chat. We were all pleasantly surprised. Love to see it. That's all I got. I mean, <laughs> we, but I feel like, I feel like universally everyone when that, maybe, and also when did they get married? It didn't, it seems like it wasn't, it doesn't, it wasn't like I this feel like, weekend. I feel like it, it was, like, 
a while ago, yeah? Okay, maybe. I think it was a no? while ago. Here's the power in it, okay? Like, yes, what I said. The power in it is that she used to be married to some dudes, and she said, fuck that, and got a hot, <laughs> young, queer woman who plays guitar. And guess what? Yes. If you're over 40 and you do not like any of the men that you're with, Please date a hot young woman who plays guitar because it's fucking cool, man. I was like, that is cool. I Then I went to Jessica Betts' Instagram because you know you got to do a deep dive. Yes. And she has like a million videos of her playing guitar. And it's like, I don't care who you are. Somebody playing She's guitar. so cool. It's not just for weird 20-year-old boys at a campfire, okay? It's for hot yeah. Black, butch, lesbians. <laughs> Go get you one all day, baby. It was awesome. Uh, that's all I got. I'm very excited. I feel like I feel like they got married a, a while ago. Yeah. That was the sense that I got Me from the too. comments on the Instagram post. Uh, people kept saying like, "Oh, I've been waiting for you to announce." Yeah, this. like we, it was and such a like, joy to be a part of it. Ava Duvernay there. was there. Yes. And Ava Duvernay, mm-hmm. she was there. It's a I party. feel like Nisi held it. Mm-hmm. Until a moment when we needed it. Yeah. I and then she gave it to us. I fully agree with you. Yeah. I was that. like, we all needed that lift. And when you sent me that, I was like, I, Shantira, I was just like, yes, this is 100% <laughs> what I want to see right now. Are I two needed something who are not nice. postponing their joy, who are, who are sharing their love with the world. And just, it felt so lifting and nice it was just like something Uh, i I just went to peoplemag.com to look at pictures again because i was like i like was excited and it's not the main story still which i don't understand why not but um (laughs) but there was a story meet the new celebrity couples of 2020 but and so i did click on that and just real quick i know we hadn't planned on this and we really need to get to our guest because she's amazing but guys (laughs) did you know trevor noah and minka kelly are dating I just saw that yesterday. I didn't know that. Did you know that Tiffany Haddish and Common are going out? Yes, I did know that. That's black news. Okay. <laughs> I love her, but I mean, Common. I like, follow both Ooh. of them. I didn't know that. But Common's always been really quiet about who he dates because he used to date Laura Dern. Mm. Oh, I knew that. Yeah, I but that was that. like a wow. low key thing. Like people be like, I remember that they like break up, and then you'll be like, Common was dating who? So he keeps his he keeps his shit close to the chest. I mean, like, I fucking know Common. I don't know Common. Wow. I don't know. <laughs> I do not know a ton of people on this list. Um, and Brian Austin Green apparently is dating someone named Tina Louise. I don't know who that is. Um, and from Gilligan's Island? No, Tina Louise is not from Gilligan's Island. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she's um, apparently a model. Oh. Okay, well that's that's good. And there's some kids from Outer the show Outer Banks that are dating each other, which I could just tell you from my personal experience, not a great move, kids in the <laughs> show Outer Banks. You don't know how long that show is going to go on for, my friends, and you might be stuck in South Carolina with your ex boyfriend. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's like improv <laughs> I used to do improv and like everybody would just be like fucking improvisers and then they put you on a team together and then you just be oh. like on a team doing improv for free every Thursday night at 10 with your ex <laughs> I mean we don't oh it's God. not something that it's like it's so difficult because like on the one hand I fully understand dating the people that you're in your community you with in a creative way yeah, yeah like like anytime movie stars fall in love with each other while they're filming a movie. Like, I'm like, yeah, I get it. Because you're seeing the person at their best, you know? They're, like, good yeah. at their job. They show up and... 
they're sexy and, and you, you guys kiss have them. to like sometimes you work just kiss together. Them. Yes, and then you kiss them. Well, and by the way, there's for like, money. You have to kiss them on screen, and then it's like, well, where's the line? Who really? Yeah. Come on, yeah. if we're in our trailer rehearsing the scene, <laughs> obviously. But I just feel like people don't ever take into consideration. On TV shows, it's such a monumentally bad idea because you can be on a television show for like seven years. years. Oh my gosh. You know what I mean? If you're lucky, yeah, God willing, but then you're trapped. But then you know, trapped. Again, I don't know who these people are. You know who, you know who we do know? Hmm. We know today's guest. (gasps) Do you want to introduce her? We really do. Um, I would love to. Uh, So guys, let's talk about pivots. This is, you know, the guests that we have will have varying degrees of pivots, I would say. Yes. Some are greater than others. For instance, you may look at my pivot and say, Busy, where's the pivot? <laughs> <laughs> You're essentially doing the exact same shit you've been doing for years. You would be correct. <laughs> it feels different, I will say, but you're probably right. Our guest today, who we got to talk chat with last week, Michelle Kwan, has had a real pivot. You may know Michelle Kwan, as we did, as a very celebrated and decorated and medaled ice skater, figure skater. Um, if you're like me and you love watching those figure skating Olympics, then you know her well. Uh, I would assume you know her very well. She made a pivot, though, and she works in politics. I don't think a lot of people know that. Or maybe they do. I'm not sure. But we talked to her about all of that and uh, and how, what she's been up to and what she's doing now. And it was informative and interesting. And take a listen. Okay, guys, I am kind of very obsessed with this thing called Talkspace. It's online therapy. And it lets you connect with a licensed therapist for a fraction of the price of in-person therapy. And you can like be matched with the perfect therapist for you for the comfort of your own device and you can reach out 24-7. And I know this time has been very difficult for a lot of people. And I know that for a lot of people for the first time in their lives maybe, they've been confronting some things that they have, you know, either not confronted because they were in the world and they were moving through it. And like sometimes it's very easy to avoid your stuff when you are very, very busy and you fill your days with friends and drinks and meals and work and all of those things and being home for months and months on end have left people a little bit aware of their own situation. And it doesn't help that the world is kind of a trash fire and that there's a lot to process there. So enter Talkspace. We all need someone to talk to. Talkspace wants to give the support we deserve at a price you can afford. Match with your perfect therapist at Talkspace.com or by downloading the Talkspace app. I love an app. And don't forget to use the promo code BEST at checkout for $100 off your first month. That's $100 off your first month at Talkspace.com with the promo code BEST, B-E-S-T. Well, guys, talking about pivots, jobs, looking for jobs, hiring people for jobs, um, the number one job site in the world is Indeed.com. 
And it is that because Indeed gets you the best people fast, unlike other sites. Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there's no long-term contracts. That's wonderful. Um, And it provides uh, powerful tools that make your search that much easier. Indeed is amazing. 73% of online job seekers visit Indeed each month. It's going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. So right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash do your best. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash do your best. Terms and conditions apply always. Offer valid through September 30th. Hello, Michelle Kwan. Hi, Hello. Michelle Kwan. Hi, guys. How are you? <laughs> Do people say your whole name? Your first name, last name, right? Does everyone first say your name? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've never, obviously, I've never met you before, Michelle Kwan. But when I saw you, I was like, I have to say the whole name. It just feels <laughs> apropos, so I hope that's okay. <laughs> yes, of course. I just turned 40, and I had a little freak-out moment. Wait, oh, tell like, me, tell me. What was your freak-out? Well, I, I'm I 41 now. I thought about it. Okay, see, I don't know what it, what it is, but mm-hmm. I think it was more the idea of when I was a kid thinking my parents turned, like, you know, at a certain age. Remembering when your parents age. turned 40. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I, I don't know this time around. I, maybe it was just the, everything that we're going through yeah. and everything that's happening in the world. And you're just like, I turned 40, everything flies by. And you just, not that I don't ever for one moment take anything for granted, but I, I it just made me think even, even more so like how I have to appreciate everything. Like, being able to hang out with my family and my parents, you know, who are healthy. and Yeah, I do feel, Michelle, like, because Casey's a little bit older. Shintira's a little bit younger. I turned 40 a year ago. Um, And I do feel like there's something to it, even if you're not a person that's caught up in like a, I don't know, like as, you know, like a patriarchal idea of what, getting older as a woman means there's something where it is a milestone you're like my parents are getting older my husband's parents are getting older yeah and I think and it's like in your head your parents are 40 do you know what I mean yeah exactly yeah in in my head my parents are 32 (laughs) (laughs) I think it's the moment where you know you just really realize like life uh, oh this is a downer but life is finite you know, know. And, yeah. and that you're like, you, you're maybe hopefully not, but getting close to halfway there. And, you know, Woo. I have a hard time thinking of that. Um, Michelle, well, th- that is kind of a pivot. Turning 40 is like a moment where you kind of take stock of everything. But when you're someone like you, who you are so, you so incredibly successful, um, as a figure skater and an Olympian. And now you've gone on, you had like a career pivot and you're incredibly successful in your career pivot, which we're going to talk about. When you, when, 
when you get to 40, I would imagine that, yeah, it's not a lot of thoughts of of missed opportunities or things you would have done differently career-wise, but it's more just that like time is flying or... That's a fully loaded question starting <laughs> off with like turning 40 where I'm like freaking out. I, it's only one age that I totally have like, Ugh. and I just couldn't get over it. And it was a bit emotional knowing that life is finite and, you know, we're all getting older. Parents are getting older and... Uh, my dog is getting older, but it, it is a time of reflection, you know, looking back at the fun things that I've been able to be a part of going to the Olympic games, representing the country, which was such an honor, you know, having traveled extensively as a, a diplomat, as a public diplomacy envoy on behalf of the department of state and on behalf of the country, um, you know, having the opportunity to work for secretary Clinton on her presidential campaign as well. And then where I am now, but at the same time, I'm, it makes me really think about decisions going forward. I've always lived with the notion of no regrets. So I don't look at any of the decisions I've made. Some were kind of not as good as other choices I could have made. But <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think now I, I kind of weigh, weigh things differently than I did when I was a kid, which was like a little bit more like free freestyling, if you will, almost like figure skating, freestyling <laughs> and not choreographed and not just going at, with it. Now I'm like, life is short. Would I be happier doing that or that? And that's mm-hmm. how I kind of weigh things and based on happiness. Is and, that recent like, or is that? I think it's more recent. I mean, I've always been a, I've always contemplated. I'm always a worrier. I'm always like analytic, like I analyze things to the utmost, to, to a fault. And it's, it's, it's a good thing and a bad thing as well. But I think it's a good thing when I'm like weighing my happiness, my family time, my things that I really, really deeply cherish. Um, there are things that I'm still like really want to push for that I know will take up a lot of my energy and will cause a lot of like a heartache, but still worth it at the end. Those are things that I still will pursue and continue. And that I think has to go with passion. You have right. to live your life with passion. I agree with that wholeheartedly. But I do feel, I wonder if that, I feel like a lot of people right now, because given the pandemic and what we've seen and experienced in the last six months, I would say globally, if that is part and turning 40. I mean, that's a lot, you know, um, the, current, lot, yeah. the current yeah. trash fire of the administration, everything that has sort of transpired uh, since George Floyd's murder. Like if all of these things are adding up to a lot of people making that choice and thinking, yeah. I'm only going to be motivated by X, whatever X is. And for you, it's like yeah, happiness. I think it is everything you just said. I, th- I think there's so much to think about these days now that we're home, you know, in our respective homes. You know, I, I haven't had an opportunity to hang out with my family too much. Um, very, very careful and, mm-hmm. you know, social distancing. And if anything, it's outdoors and everybody's wearing a mask and it's just yeah. not being able to embrace your, you know, your loved ones and your friends and not seeing them. And also my colleagues that I'm working with, it's hard. Um, I want to ask so, about that. Yeah. the Yeah. Tell us your, a little bit about your job now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's always been my passion, like to me, not politics, but like follow your passion. That's, mm-hmm. that's what my, I, I'm motivated by. And 
after having worked in 2016, uh, you know, presidential campaign supporting Hillary Clinton, I actually never anticipated getting into politics into politics, by the way. So I how did that happen? So what, let's talk about that pivot real fast before we get into even the current state of things. Yeah, like where so, do I go? So you're, figure, so you're figure skating and things are going great. Mm-hmm. And yeah. <laughs> doing pretty good. Pretty you, good are doing, doing, you are doing, doing your best skating, at girl. figure skating. <laughs> doing your best. Turns out you're the best at figure skating. <laughs> Just straight up um, the best. Eight consecutive U.S. titles, 12 consecutive medals, the only woman in figure skating history to reclaim the world title Three times. That's, I mean, like pretty <laughs> impressive. Uh, two Olympic medals, obvi. I mean, I keep, used to where put. Do you keep I used them. They were actually all in um, in a suitcase. And if you look around my house, you don't see anything skating related. So I think I just kept it all in one area where it was like the trophies and the silver platters and all the medals went into a suitcase, but now they're displayed neatly uh, at the ice rink that my family, we have a business. So it's, it's in the ice rink right now. Do you, so did you go to college while you were yeah. skating or, or did you after skating? You know, I, I, at 17, I went to, I went and competed at the Olympics. Uh, the following year, I can, went to school 19 at UCLA. I took about one full quarter of classes. I think it was 12 units. And then, um, and then I was still competing at the same level, right? Competing at the international. How hard is that? Yeah. Almost impossible. So yeah. then I, I kind of, I, I said, you know what, I'm, I might be, uh, you know, breaking off too much. <laughs> I can't, you know, I, there's more that I can't focus on everything. So I ended up, doing less courses and then being able to train at the same time, which was great because I had this like balance between training really intensely, but also getting to escape into schoolwork, which sounds very funny, but it was nice to have that distraction when I was competing. Uh, Because oftentimes when an athlete, there's so much pressure that it almost alleviates it when you have something else going on in your life. Uh, so that was a nice little balance, but then I, I, at that time, I felt like I was on a 10 year track of graduating college, which is not tenure. It's 10 <laughs> years before I graduated. So, <laughs> 10 year plan. Uh, yeah, no, but then I ended up, uh, not really completing my education until much older when I finished skating. And you could so I went focus back to school on at 26, it. And then I focused on it. And strangely enough, I, my, my focus was political science and international relations. Mm-hmm. And it's good that my degree is going to good use. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Why were you drawn to that in, why were you drawn to that when you, when you decided to like go finish your college degree? Well, well when I first enrolled, when I was going to UCLA, uh, it was psychology. And then I, I think I, my focus turned to psycho, uh, psychobio. And then, like all students, you know, we don't really know what... It's so weird that at 19 you choose, or at 18, you choose what your major is going to be. It's so bizarre to me. (laughs) What your life, (laughs) what the trajectory of your life is, you know? It's very strange. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's why I love this concept, because life is full of pivots. I always knew that this pivot was always going to be the hardest, the one from 
the sport I loved and was passionate about and never had to question what I wanted to do. I wanted to be an Olympian. I wanted to win the next competition I wanted to do. It was always like a goal in sight. And when I finished, I think it's similar to a lot of the professional athletes. You know, you saw, um, I haven't seen it yet, but I, I can't wait to see it when I have time is the documentary that Michael Phelps and other athletes were a part of. I saw it. I've been watching a lot of documentaries during Me this too. time. Yeah. And uh, it's so interesting. Yeah. All the things that I'm learning that I need to unlearn, uh, I think is That's very true. powerful. I was like, oh, this is just about what it's like to be an Olympian. And it's like, oh, no, yeah. it's about the livelihood and the life of Olympians as people, not just athletes. And it's like, that is a man who works at a tire store to support right. his oh, Olympic yeah. dreams. And it's like, right. what are we doing to support them mentally? And I was like, oh, I had to unlearn seeing Olympians as just people who play sports every four years. It's really great. Yeah. But that that misconception works in the arts as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, exactly. I like especially musicians. I know so I'm friends with so many musicians who, you know, are teachers. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and yeah. house paint and house painters and um have other and chiropractors and have other ways of making money because it is you know so rare that you're able to cut that it's like sustainable in that yeah. way same but with you, authors and yeah. authors too people of always think like oh you have a book you must be a millionaire and i'm like no most people get like $5000 <laughs> Or you get it, yeah. or you get an amount of money, but then it's like that's done, and you yeah. and and it's over. Yeah. Um. So so you knew you wanted to go to school, and and having that break gave you the chance to. When you came back, your major was political science. You're like, this is international studies. Is that influenced by honestly Anything? traveling the world? <laughs> no, I mean you traveled the world as an ice skater. You did the Olympics. You met international people. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, at the same time, I was appointed as an envoy, and I was like, I, I, there was this sort of um, opportunity to meet people in the space of diplomacy, you know, through arts and education and sports and and like goodwill. And I just right? found it. That, yeah, exactly. Um, and I found that very fascinating, and I, I felt like just like the documentary, and I'm. I have enough friends, you know, in the Olympics and sport, professional sports that, you know, the transi- transition is very difficult. And it's, it's difficult in many, in many ways. When you, it's about identity. You know, when you're mm-hmm. an athlete, you're like, I am a, an Olympic figure skater. And it kind of sometimes overshadows you, sometimes pigeonholes you, stereotype, you name it, you know. And you try to go into other, exploring other means it's often very, very difficult because mm-hmm. you have that, you know, either that opportunity to meet somebody and they just can't get past like your identity as a figure skater. Yeah. And, right. and th- that's all they see. Yeah. But you're like, well, I'm interested in this and this and this. And they're like still talking about sports. And you're like, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> or like if you're applying for a job, you might get the interview, but that's because, you know, they might be interested in talking to you, you know, as opposed right. to like, what you could, what value and what, what you could bring to the table. So I think going back to school was such an opportunity for me to learn and, and really get lost and make mistakes. And like everyone else, you're, you're getting an education to provide, have the tools to be able to succeed. 
just right. in skating yeah. where you're training and you're learning and you're learning jumps and spins and you put it all together. I think in uh, getting my master's degree was also another where I was surrounded by people who were so bright and brilliant and, you know, working, they were 50% international students where I went at the Fletcher school um, at Tufts. And so I learned from my classmates and, you know, had these amazing conversations and I I don't know how I ended up pivoting, but it, it seemed like a seamless pivot in some regards, but it was a lot of getting lost as well. I'm so interested in what you said about being able to make mistakes because obviously in your prior life as a skater, a mistake is is death. Can cost you. Can cost you everything. (laughs) And the world is watching. And if you make a mistake, like that becomes so tied to who you are as as an athlete. So was that hard to get used to? Like just being able to like lean into mistakes and handle them? No, I think I always lean into mistakes. That's the one thing you know, sports has taught me is like, when you fall, sometimes it hurts. And sometimes it's not embarrassing. You're, you're in front of millions of people. There's a lot riding on the line and you fall and you just get up and you're like, you know, hundreds of hours went into that fall. (laughs) (laughs) Try my best, you know? (laughs) Um, and those are the times when I actually get the moments, the best moments where I learn and, you know, when you go to a job interview, I think one of the first of the 10 questions they ask you is like, what's the biggest thing that you've had to overcome? You know, sports yeah. has <laughs> made me tougher and stronger and and better. And I think one thing that I learned um, the hard way is, you know how when you say, what would you tell your 18-year-old self? Or what right. would you tell your yeah. 20-year-old self? I finished skating and I went into, you know, pursuing my education, I felt like this lost little girl. And I felt like almost like everything was stripped away. And like, I removed all the identity of being a skater. I removed everything and I started like blank slate and then realized, wait a minute, I'm not starting with a blank slate. I know how to work hard. I know how to make mistakes and learn from it. I know how to like, I know how to do all of that and put my mind to it. No, like, focus, focus, focus. I did that for, you know, 25 years of my life. I could do the same. And I'm not probably at the same par with everyone else, but mm-hmm. I, I know what it takes. So like, I think in hindsight, I wasn't coming at it older, you know, 26 pursuing, you know, my degree, but I was coming in with like this newfound kind of like, oh, I hunger to learn and and passion to be better and to you know be lost and be okay with being lost. I actually have always sort of thought that college should not start right after high school. I think that like there should be I mean if I'm being if I'm being honest, I do think that there should be that like in a perfect world of this country as we like look forward cuz I think we have a lot to rebuild and rethink as we move into the future if people are open and willing to make that decision as opposed to living in a fear-based way, which is, I think, how we've been living for the last bit of time. Um, I think that it would be really wonderful if there were like at least two years post-college where kids went into a public service avenue. Like they work at a shelter they clean up whatever you know what i mean and I, because and get paid you get paid obviously right 
or your fucking college or your college is paid for. I don't yeah. know, guys. Yeah. This isn't, I'm not, I don't have I the th- policy made yet, Michelle, is what I'm saying to you. <laughs> the bill is not it's ready to go. It's formulating at the moment. But I, I mean, do think, <laughs> I just think that there's so much value in those years in your early 20s of, of making mistakes, messing up, figuring out who you are, figuring out what your values are, and then going back into school and being able to be excited about learning and like getting excited about the possibility of what your future is as opposed to just rote going into college after high school. Like, this is what I do now. I go to college and, uh, you know? Yeah. Anyone? Yeah. I I think there's a lot to it. (laughs) I think seeing the world and learning what you want first. And I think if I could tell myself is like, make sure that you're exposing yourself to sort of all these ideas and you're surrounded by such an abundance of information. Like 18-year-olds right now, at the fingertips, you can learn anything. It's really interesting. And you had this whole, you had this whole experience of, you were, you mentioned like you sort of felt behind when you went to college eventually as an older person, but really you were kind of ahead because you had been like living life sort of in this non-traditional way and having these experiences. And so you were doing, you know, the work in the envoys um, as Michelle Kwan figure skater, (laughs) right? You know, cultural, you know, going into, you know, getting this experience. And so then post-college and post uh, your, your graduate program, was that when you were like, I think I can really go and work for this campaign? Or was it just Hillary? Like, what did you, what was the... What was the light bulb moment for you? Well, when I went back to school, so 26, and then I ended up getting going and pursuing my master's degree. So that was master's another two years. And then after that, I ended up working at the Department of State. So it was, that's when oh, that was it your was end. Secretary. Yeah, it was Secretary Kerry, uh, Clinton, and then Kerry. Mm-hmm. And, and then that was, yeah, when... A lot of my colleagues from the Department of State ended up moving to New York, where the Hillary Clinton headquarters in Brooklyn was based. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, her personal office is getting rather large. And they said, well, you should just move to Brooklyn. And I said, are you sure? Move to Brooklyn? <laughs> and, and sure enough, um, I joined the campaign before her f- official announcement, uh, which was very exciting and exciting to be a part of. But yeah, it just sort of segued into where I am now, um, which again, I didn't think that I would be here on another presidential campaign because as you know, Busy, it's like mm-hmm. they're very, very young, usually early 20s. The amount of emails, <laughs> the amount of like, <laughs> it's, it's nonstop. And normally, you know, on a traditional campaign, you, you're traveling extensively too. So it's it's long hours. It's a lot of time, um, but it's so worth it. So explain to people at home uh, what it was that you did for the Clinton campaign and and now what you're doing for uh, the Biden-Harris uh, ticket. Well, in 2016, my job was the surrogate outreach coordinator. So essentially working with folks that are interested in getting involved in the campaign trail. Um Right now, I am the director of surrogates for the Biden-Harris campaign. Um, I've been on the campaign trail since day one. Um, was there when uh, Vice President Biden made his announcement, uh, which was re- really exciting. And uh, what it means is like 
if you see folks that have endorsed um, Vice President Biden or Kamala Harris, um, the ticket, then they're validators on television, on radio. Um, normally, we would have you know surrogates travel throughout the country mm-hmm. to battleground states, helping with organizing events. Um, we're traveling, of course, virtually, you know, all over the country. And then we have, you know, building the biggest and broadest coalition of surrogates involved, which is, you know, reaching our African-American, our Latino, Asian-American, Pacific Islander, women's LGBT coalition, and just, you know, making sure that they're plugged in throughout the campaign, whether it's uh, finance events, digital, social, um, you know, calling in virtual Zoom. We have these calls all day, every day. Yeah. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Till the end. Just to give you a little bit of background at home, I was asked and participated as a surrogate for Hillary Clinton. I know before I even did it, I was like, what? What are you talking about? So basically (laughs) what I did was um, I had a speech that I put together, uh, like a stump speech, um, that the Clinton campaign helped me uh, with some of the points that they really wanted to make sure were hit. And I would um, go to certain events where... uh, uh, Hillary Clinton herself or couldn't be, and I would speak at it. So for instance, I went to a couple things here in California, in Orange County, um, and gave some speeches. And I went to very small towns, and it was like a really, I felt like I was... um, I felt like I was in an indie movie um, the whole time <laughs> because I, I I flew into this... I think I went to Des Moines is where I started. I think I went to Des Moines and then I went to like some small towns and we would show up too at the different campaign offices in the smaller towns and like bring pizza and I would do like an interview with the local news station and I would, um, you know, talk to the volunteers that had assembled for phone banking and thank them for, uh, you know, showing up and volunteering and encourage them to keep showing up and volunteering. And like, so anytime, anytime you see any sort of like event for a candidate on, on whatever level, truly, and it's like hosted by, you know, or come see Sophia Bush <laughs> talk with this person about, you know, Senator Harris. That, But Senator Harris isn't going to be there. That is a surrogate. She is a surrogate acting for the campaign and, um, and trying to help get the word out. We have uh, something called a Hollywood break where we break down things in the industry. And I don't know if this is like a policy break or we can just call this politics Michelle break, Qua- <laughs> politics or, the, break. Or, or, or Michelle Kwan break because, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, but I think it's so interesting. Every day I'm learning more and more about what is happening policy wise or like what a surrogate is. And it's like, oh, like that is something that I didn't know what that was called, but I'm like, I'm glad Michelle Kwan's in charge of it. And <laughs> uh, do you know what I mean? And I think that that is like a, a a policy break in this in this moment where people get to learn like everything that you see is like not by accident. Everything that's happening is very purposeful and people are moving with purpose uh, for this, moving with purpose for this campaign, moving with purpose for like the change that we want to see in America. I love what you said, though, like move with purpose. And and I, I find myself on the campaign trail thinking of that. And I think of my parents actually a lot when I'm campaigning, especially 
how they immigrated to the United States with nothing and this idea of the American dream, you know, the idea that if you work hard, you know, play by the rules that your dreams can come true and your little daughter or your baby girl can figure skate and dream of being anything you want. I think when you look at Senator Kamala Harris and what value she adds first, she's just this, I mean, dynamic duo between Biden and Harris. I mean, it's an incredible ticket. From day one, they know what to do. I think what the surrogates add in terms of the campaigns is like busy when you were campaigning, it's it's you, it's your personal connection of why you supported Hillary Clinton. And I think it's the same this time around is that many people who have, you know, are on television talking about why they support Joe Biden, you you talk you talk to former presidential candidates who are competing against Vice President Biden. They they have endorsed the VP and said, you know, as a colleague, I know that he can do it. I know he's capable. I've worked with him. I know he's a decent uh, human being. I know that he has the best interests for, you know, the soul of the United States and unifying our country. And so what we're trying to do is like really galvanizing support and making sure people are informed and having these policy policy breaks, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Policy break. I think I that that's that, great. I've, I found that whole thing really moving about uh, all the former candidates just coming out for Joe Biden and speaking up. It's kind of like the Olympics. You train your whole life for this thing. <laughs> You're going to run for president. And then that's going to be kind of crushing when you realize like, oh, it's not going to work this time. And you have to make the decision to drop out. So to see everybody turn on a dime and be like, yeah, I dropped out. But guess what? I'm not crying about it. Vote we for have this work guy. to do. We have work to do. Yeah, yeah. we got work to and do. And I think, so. and I think there is something interesting. I'm, 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 I'm in a place right now of, um, of both deep despair and incredible hopefulness. Yeah, it's the duality. <laughs> you know what I mean? We discussed it is a lot. the duality that, like, uh, the duality of, what, of it all yeah. of what 2020 really is, which is like sadness and despair and like, oh my god, what if this continues. And then the hopefulness of like, but I know I'm not stopping, even though I'm tired and my throat hurts and like, I haven't felt well for months. And I know that that's definitely psychologically linked to everything that's going on (laughs) in the world because I've had 1700 COVID tests. Um, But like the, the hopefulness that like, I know I'm not stopping. I know that the people around me aren't stopping. Even my friends who stopped last time because they were mad that their candidate didn't get in. And I did have those friends and we had a lot of uncomfortable dinner parties. Um, But I know they're not stopping now. And I really feel like there is this sea change happening. And the one thing that I will say personally, because I, you know, just perfectly honestly, Biden was not my number one pick, right? Um, initially. But he's he's always like, he's a professional and he's, you know. I feel like in this moment, the the deal is all the people who showed up on this idea and voted for the other person, the current person, um, with this idea that like, we should just have like some regular guy that's like me, you know, like he can, he should do it. Like we should have this business, this regular guy in there. I actually think right now we have so many things to fix. We need professional people (laughs) who have, who have lived it, done it for 
their have dedicated their entire lives to and public who are also service. not racist. <laughs> also That'd be not great. racist. <laughs> what is exciting is seeing everybody unify as a party. Seeing you know from day one, you know. When you saw the debates, it was like 12 people on stage, you know, maybe, you know, Vice President Biden wasn't your first pick, but the way in which everybody sort of came together knowing what's at stake. Yeah. I mean, for me, Michelle, honestly, I'm just like, because why not be honest? For me, it was just like another white dude. Like, you know, oh boy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I just, I really want, I really fucking, oh no, I'm going to cry. I really... (laughs) I really want to, I really want to see a woman in the White House. And like my daughter, who's seven, I was reading her um, Kamala and Maya's Big Idea. It's her new favorite book by Mina Harris, by Kamala's niece. Do you know that? You know the kid's book? Yeah, Mina's amazing. Um, And I've posted the book on my Instagram, guys, but it's a great book for your kids. Um, Even if you are not a Democrat, but if you're not a Democrat, I don't understand why you're listening to this podcast. Um, (laughs) uh, uh, So I was reading it to Cricket the night that it was announced that she was the VP pick. And I was like, Cricket, you know, it's so exciting. I'm so excited to get to tell you that Kamala was just picked to be the vice president candidate with Joe Biden. And it's the first time that a woman of color has gotten a nomination from a major party in this in this way. And she was like, oh, this Kamala. And she's like, yeah. oh, cool. <laughs> and then there was a beat. And I like, you can't make this shit up with kids. And sometimes people accuse you of making shit up with kids because they're like, that's just your political agenda. But I yeah. swear to God, she was like, thoughtful for a second. And then she was like, I guess like um, before I was alive, there was a woman president, but I don't know who that was. Who was that? And I was like, oh, cricket. Oh, honey, no, there's actually, it's, it's only been, it's only been men. And her face like fell. And she was Ugh. like, that doesn't, that's weird. And I was like, it is weird. That's right. That's exactly, that's exactly the word Even for it. saying it right now, like there's never been a female president ever in our history. So anyway, so that's my, that was my, and I know Casey feels very similar. Well, we all have an agenda, you know, and that's, that's one of the reasons why I feel pretty, I actually felt pretty good about how everything went because I just feel like we're not just electing one person to one office. We're electing a person that will uh, give give value to this idea that we need to put an exceptional team in place to do the work. So for me, it's really not, that's why I found it so moving when everybody turned and endorsed Biden when it became apparent that they couldn't um, couldn't stay in the race is because everybody was like, yeah, I'm going to hold on to my dream. Or like a lot of those people were saying goodbye to their dream probably. And saying like, this is much more important. This is much more than about one person. And so I was really... I was really excited when he announced Kamala was going to be his running mate because that means a lot to me. And, you know, it's something. It really yeah. it, it really is something. I, I mean, just, love just her. as a black woman in America, oop, uh, <laughs> I'd say <laughs> that, oop, um, 
I'm I'm really excited about um, Kamala. I'm excited about Joe Biden too because I am excited for someone to see the humanity in me, um, which I think I have been viscerally. I'm probably going to cry. Missing, <laughs> missing since um, uh, I watched Becoming with Michelle Obama, and it's like, oh, like if I met her, she cared about me. And I think that so many people in America right now, doesn't matter what race you are, but like black, white, queer, they, them, I think we're all looking for someone who's in charge of this country to see the humanity and the people who live here, who work here, who have the dream here, who are doing the work here. And I think that's the thing that's exciting to me. Like um, Kamala was my first pick for president because... I'm betting on black, baby. But <laughs> I I will say that I am excited for people coming together, knowing that we are trying to make this a country where humanity is at the forefront. And I, I think that everybody's coming together being like, we're all people, right? We should definitely be fucking trying to help each other. <laughs> <laughs> Just so, even oh Jacob gosh. Blake's. Um, sis- sister who yes. spoke at that press conference when she was like, when you say, when you talk about him, you know, use these words like father, cousin, brother, but most importantly, human. Yeah. 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 Tell me what, tell me what we're doing. Tell me what every single person who's listening right now is doing. Cause I, I can, I'm worried about two things. I'm worried about fatigue uh-huh. people feeling overwhelmed and exhausted and like just can't like what's the point they're closing the post offices what the fucking point they're gonna steal it anyway what's the fucking point you know like I'm exhausted I worry about exhaustion and I worry about people thinking that it's in the bag so what do we do how can we pivot to help yes. you yeah. do I want to pivot to help do you your, what are we doing yes. I, I want to help Michelle this pivot well <laughs> well <laughs> let's say yeah, I think the fatigue is real. I think everyone's just so exhausted and inundated with everything that's in the news. We have to be informed. We have to make sure, like, if it's your mail-in, it's, it's easy, you know? Just make sure that you do it. If you can vote early, do it. If you can just get, stay informed. Um, if you want information from the campaign, go to the website. Um, I also, I like telling people to go to IWillVote.com as well because... Every state is a little bit different. Voting is different. Every, like some earlier, some earlier, later. Some of the so just stay informed. Do not do not be exhausted. We have sixty eight days and stay involved. Sixty eight days is not that long. It's, it's not really long. not that long, guys. When you it's consider not. that we've been in quarantine now four hundred and eighty billion days. I've had, <laughs> I've had cold sores for 68 days. <laughs> too long. I was in long. labor with Birdie for 68 days. No, but... Um, if you're but unhappy I, right now with what we've got in the White House, make sure that you use your voice. People fought hard to make sure that you're able to vote. Everyone, you know, just do your part. Just be a part. Because... Give us- yeah, give us a little advice about what is the most effective way that just a, a girl in her house who has a little time on her hands, thanks to the the pandemic, how can she pitch in at this point with, mm-hmm. with you know, less than 70 days left? Well, there's plenty of things to do. I always first say, if you have a cell phone handy, 
text like vote V O T E to three zero three three zero. It's just a, a easy way to stay informed with what's happening on the campaign. Um, I direct people to IWillVote.com. Um, I will tell folks to volunteer, go on the JoeBiden.com slash volunteer. You can find all the information of what's happening in your area. Um, you can participate by making phone calls. Um, I know that a lot of different nonprofit organizations are doing this as well, is like calling neighbors. We're not knocking on doors like traditional campaigning, but we're definitely still using Which, by the way, is always scary. <laughs> Busy, it is. Canvassing is fun. Canvassing can be fun. I've I've done some canvassing. Canvassing can be fun. But if you're like me, I'm getting so much better at it. But it was, it is a little freaky. The last time I really, I phone banked for Hillary a bit. I phone banked for Proposition 8 right after my daughter Birdie was born. I was a new mom. I had her in a sling. Guys, if you have that new baby at home, let me tell you, they love hearing your voice. (laughs) <laughs> and you can just wear them and bounce and make those calls. <laughs> Very so, Yeah, get involved. Let's do it. Like, seriously, yeah. there's so much at stake in these elections. You cannot get tired. You could do anything for 68 days. Let's do it. Like The other thing I was going to say is just because I, I have an investment in South Carolina, I've been doing a lot of work for Jamie Harrison's campaign because I love him so much. Um, but I know South Carolina is in desperate need of poll workers and like people to help out on election day to man phone lines if people have issues. And that is very important because if you're somebody who is like concerned about, uh, you know, elections being stolen or whatever, you know, why don't you go help out and man the lines for people who might be like, hey, I've been in line for three hours and they're saying they're going to close, you know, and get, you know, you can you can do that too. Well, I think there's a lot of ways to get involved, like making sure that people have rides to polls and, you know, making sure that they're voting secure and safely, wear your mask, of course. And, you know, I, I think getting a mail-in, to me, I'm going to mail in my ballot yeah. yeah. So just make the, sure you get it. The text message that you said, you said 30330, right? Yeah. I texted, heard, I texted yeah. it because I was a Florida, registered for Florida uh, for a long time. And then I moved to California and I changed to um, California. And um, it, it, I texted it. I was like, I just want to make sure. So even if like, I know there's so much fatigue, there's so many people tired. Even if you're like, I'm truly, purely concerned about myself. I texted that found out that I was registered if if the only thing you could do in your heart is to make sure that you are good to go texting 30330 something I actually did I made sure that my address was correct I made sure that everything was up to date and that my my personal mail-in ballot would be coming to my house which was like sometimes sometimes you got to put your mask on first yep agree I love that Mm -hmm. so Michelle what are you going to be doing between now and election day what will I be doing? Uh, there are so many events throughout the country. So we have something like the Queer Eye is doing a fundraiser, a, a grassroots fundraiser with uh, Dr. B and her family and the kids, grandkids. So that will be fun. We've got all oh, these like- How obsessed am I with Jill Biden? Uh, <laughs> She's amazing. I'm like kind of obsessed with the Bidens- as a couple, I like. That's what I mean about a team. Them. They're like yeah, pure they're so love. Cute. They yeah. are pure love. I had the opportunity to sit next to 
Dr. Joe Biden on a plane uh, ride from D.C. to Los Angeles. And it was the sweetest thing. She's very smart. She had like a stack of papers that she was grading. So she had like her red pen or highlighter. And for like a few hours, she was like grading papers. And I was thinking, this is the former second lady and she's a professor. She loves what she does. And and she, I said, you don't have like a teacher's assistant. You don't have somebody doing it. She's like, no, I grade every single paper. And I, you know, sit down with students to talk about, go through all the like things that they could do better on the next paper or exam or blah, blah, blah. It's like thoroughly impressed. <laughs> you know, you know what I like to say, Michelle? <laughs> I like to say that, um, people's outsides always catch up with their insides. And not that I like to focus on like physical attractiveness, but I think that there is a thing that you can see in politics when someone is moving through the world of politics motivated by like positive things and change and hope. Yeah. It shows on them in a different way than the people that are like moving through with fear. And I feel like you're right for 40 years of public service, Joe Biden and his, and now Dr. Biden, who's been with him for, I don't know how many years they've been together, but they're cute. Um, But like, he looks, he looks great. Like he looks, (laughs) like he looks great to me. You know what I mean? Like they both are just, they shine from the inside. And now I'm a fan. Now I'm a full, I'm like, when you're not evil, you're able to keep it tight. They are so cute. (laughs) Shantira, say it again. When you're when you're not evil, you're able to keep it tight. That's what yeah. I mean. <laughs> you're able to keep it tight. And move with purpose. I like yes. that. Move yes. with purpose. Yeah. I feel like we should make some t-shirts that say move with purpose. What do you think? Yes. Yeah. I love that. Let's, Let's do it. Do it. Michelle Kwan, it's like the busiest time of your life right now, and you made time to come and sit with oh, us. Cool. Ha- you're like the nicest person in the world. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Really Thanks for taking the time. Yeah. And thank you for letting me say your whole name. I'm going to say it <laughs> forever. Michelle Kwan was here. Well, guys, you know, we've really been, um, we've been trying to do this, uh, learning this new language. Bonjour. Comment ça va? Bien. And with Babbel, learning a language is even easier. It can help you learn faster than you think. Um, Babbel has lots of different languages that you can choose from. It gets rid of all the roadblocks. So I can just start speaking Spanish or French or German or any of the 14 different languages that I want. And Babbel is available as an app or online, so your progress will be synced across all your devices. Uh, who doesn't want to learn a new language? You know what I mean? We should all want to expand ourselves in that way and at least be able to know how to ask how to get a tequila and where is the bathroom. Well, right now, when you purchase a three-month subscription, Babbel will give you our listeners, three additional months for free with the promo code OURBEST. Use that code, OURBEST. It's three additional months for free if you go to babbel.com and use the promo code OURBEST on your three-month subscription. That's B A 
B-B-E-L dot com promo code our best. All right. Hi. It's us. We're back. Michelle Kwan's so great. Don't you guys love her? So amazing. I love her. She's so inspiring. When I was 10, I was putting on socks, skating around, trying to be her. And right now I'm 33 and I will put on some socks and skate around and try to be just like Michelle Kwan right now. <laughs> like, except it's like, except you're putting I, on socks and you're phone banking. Yes, for Joe Biden. just like <laughs> swiping around. And Kamala. Yes. I loved the thing that she said about how when she would fall ice skating, she was never embarrassed. Um, she would just think to herself, you know, I tried my best. A hundred hours of practice went into that fall. That's no, it, like if I could apply that to my mm-hmm. own life, like every time I fucked something up, being like, listen, it, it took me a lot of work to get to the point where I could fuck this thing up, mm-hmm. you know? Like that's all I want in life is to be allowed to have the opportunity to fuck things up. And that's what we up. say all the time, right? Like men, men yeah. get infinite opportunity to make mistakes, fuck things up and get another chance. And women get... yeah. Zero. (laughs) She was so great. Oh, one thing I do want to say before we move on from Michelle's interview, we recorded that last week. So she kept saying that this is 68 days away. It's uh, the election is not 68 days away any longer. It's 62 days away. So everything that everything that she said, um, if you were feeling that it's actually more urgent, it's six (laughs) days more urgent than, than Michelle said, 62 days. And if you're listening to this later, it's less than 62. So do all those things that you need to do to make sure that you exercise your and if it's what you got to do. And if it's after, I hope that we're co- we're cool. <laughs> I hope I hope, hope we're, we're cool. here. <laughs> I hope we're cool too. I really do. Um, well guys, what a week. It's kind of crazy. I'm feeling like I'm feeling I'm feeling okay again like I feel like uh I feel like this is this is a nice thing for me to do to reset to like come and talk with you guys you know a little bit it really is it, makes, nice. it always makes yeah. me feel better a zoom group chat yeah uh, which I've done <laughs> I, I I like really do love group chats they're like my favorite thing but truly like every once in a while me and my friends will straight up set up a, a zoom or like a facetime and be like should we see each other like <laughs> And, and, and it's fun. I FaceTime my yeah. friends all the time. My friend Liz Kakowski will oftentimes, she'll text me and she'll be like, I just made my coffee. Do you want to have a FaceTime? Because she's uh, a real yeah. one. The only she's people who uh, don't text me before they FaceTime are like my mom. Moms don't give a mm. fuck. Moms <laughs> will be like, what you doing? I'll be like, why? Let me know that you're going you gotta to. Know. I got to yeah. know. Homies, they'll be like, are you good? Ten minutes. Let's Facetime. Parents, can I tell they you don't something? Care. I try to I try to surprise Casey with a Facetime from time to time, <laughs> and I'm like, she's always. Re- I will yeah. reject her, <laughs> and me. then she's like, "You <laughs> bitch, <laughs> you are such a I'm, bitch." I feel like I feel like Leanne, my sister, can Facetime me without texting first. My I'm okay with my mom doing it. It's just mom because. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with family members doing it. I'm okay with Michelle doing it. Michelle FaceTimes me sometimes out of the blue, like without warning. And that's because yeah. like, I also just know with her life and the way things are, like if she has that moment, then like I'm picking it up because I want to. Listen, but also she always looks good. Michelle? So she has yeah. like, yeah, she has Porcelain like a, an advantage yeah. in like, FaceTiming at any I, time. Like, I need to get a bra <laughs> yeah, on. I, and oh, yeah. I get it. Wait, somebody wrote in and asked for advice. Do we want to give her some oh, advice? Sure. advice? Hey, but, uh, Busy, okay. Casey, and Shantira. First off, I'm loving the podcast. This is from Marie. 
by the way. Hi, Marie. Hi, Marie. I'm glad you're loving the podcast, Marie. That's just let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> um, honestly, I wish the episodes were longer. Well, you know what? Us too, and they are longer, and then we have to edit them. <laughs> um, I'd love to have more of you three in my life. Okay, again, guys, always start with the compliments. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to the meat of it, Marie. I don't know if you'd classify this as a pivot, since it's something a lot of people do, but I've recently pivoted to motherhood. My son is four months old and finding my identity as a mother has really rocked my world. I've always been very independent and for a long time, I didn't really want to have kids. I'm married to an incredible man who's definitely made to be a father. And while we were dating, I decided I also wanted to have kids. Giving birth was honestly horrible. Similar to Busy's experience with Birdie. I mean, girl, yes. I pushed for 3.5 hours, gave birth to a 9-pound, 12-ounce baby. Same, same. Postpartum depression, same. Also hit me really hard for the first couple of months. On top of that, he was born in April. Pandemic was already underway. Being quarantined from the couple of close friends I have, as well as family, has been really hard, too. I guess I'm wondering how you found your identity as a mother, but still kept your own sense of self and identity. Any advice for not projecting your own issues onto your kid? I have a long relationship with my therapist. So that is helpful. That's great. I really respect the way Busy, oh, hi, that's me, seems to parent and how she talks candidly about it. I'd love to hear from all three of you. Oh, my gosh. Thanks, ladies. Marie. 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 <laughs> First, it's only, been, it's four only been four months. My friend, I love you so much. I love how you're like, okay, so now what? What am I doing? Am I, am I doing it right? Is this right? Am I, how do I get it back? What's going on? You want to be good I mean, at it. I get it. I get it. The first thing I have to tell you is that your baby is four months old and I'm going to need you to breathe. Like, I hate giving advice to parents. Like, people always ask, like, whenever I do interviews with any magazine, you know, because I'm a woman, they're always like, what's your parenting advice? What milestones are your kids hitting? I'm like, okay, first of all, she's 12. She told me to fuck off last week. I don't know. <laughs> what do you want from me for milestones? But secondly, I really, I really reserve advice, parental advice, because what works for everyone is different. However, if I could write a parenting book, it would be how to raise your second child first, because everything that I'm feeling from this letter from Marie right now, I remember intimately from giving birth to Birdie. And if I could go back in time to 29-year-old, new mother, Birdie four months old, my body hijacked, leaking, and like not even being able to poop by yourself and <laughs> and then also being concerned about all the things. How am I going to, you know, make sure that she's a good person? And how am I going to like, you know, I think that I would tell myself, ergo Marie, I'm trying to impart this to you, that you really have to like, try as hard as you can on like remembering that everything is going to be, you're going to, you're doing great. Like you're doing great and the kid is going to be fine and that you're already, she's already, he, sorry, I'm seeing, I'm talking to myself again, but your <laughs> little, your little buddy is already like doing better than, you know, anyone else. Like, like he's going to be fine. And you just have to like, you just have to breathe and you have to remember that like him missing a nap isn't the end of the world. 
or being off schedule that, and it must be hard. It must have been really isolating and felt even lonelier than it did before quarantine. I mean, because to be honest with you, people that were having babies in this time, I was like, yeah, so what? Because literally I felt like the most isolated I've ever felt after I had my kids. That is like just a thing that women go through once when they have babies and you can have partners that are like incredibly supportive and hands-on, which I did not, but um, not in those early times with the babies, but you can, but you still can really feel alone and you feel like even though you intellectually know that this is something that many, many people for eons have had children, it still feels it's new to you, you know? So like, so of course it feels overwhelming and weird and scary. But I would just encourage you to try, and when you talk about like my identity as a mother and a whatever, just try to find a little bit of space for yourself to exist. Whether that's like, it it might be hard. It might be un, it might be something you're not able to do right now because your baby's only four months old and we still are sort of in the midst of this pandemic, depending on where you live. But finding a way to take 35 minutes just truly for yourself is great and probably very much needed. Marie, I feel like your identity as a mother is just you who is now a mother. Like, it's not a a new special thing that you have to become. And it sounds like you care so much about doing a good job of being a mom. And just the fact that you care probably means that you are doing a pretty good job. That was the thing. Yes, this was the thing that I always, that I came to realize. The people that are, like, concerned about fucking up are not the ones that are fucking up. Yeah. (laughs) In parenthood. Yeah. It's the ones who are like, I don't know, fine. Like, those are the ones where you're like, oh, no, that child just (laughs) punched a dog in the face, you know? (laughs) And you should also just try to, as much as you can, enjoy this time with your baby and uh, enjoy who he is as he grows up. The Whenever people ask me, like, what's your secret to parenting? Because people do sometimes. My secret is always that I just liked my kids. Mm-hmm. Like everybody loves, almost everybody loves their kids. Like it's the law. You have to, you're required. But a lot of people I feel like don't try to like or their know kids them. so much or know them. And here's the truth. He's going to be who he's going to be. And all you can do is model being a good person, a caring and conscientious person. Then he's going to be who he's going to be. And hopefully who he is is someone that you enjoy. And I bet you will enjoy him. You just have to remember that. And then frankly, like some of the responsibility is on him about whether or not he's an enjoyable I kid. agree with, but I bet he I will agree be. with all of this as someone who has not had a baby. <laughs> I will say this though, as someone who used to be a baby, um, my mom, uh, my relationship with my mother has gotten way better as I've gotten older but now that I'm older and I've gone through therapy one of the things that I've realized is that my mother has always treated me like a person and I think that some people don't respect children like when kids are like 
I don't want to hug that aunt. And like my mama would never let me make me hug an aunt. My mom has also always apologized to me when she hurt my feelings. Yes. I did not learn yes. that the boundaries that my parents set for me were so important until I got into the into the real world. As someone who has parents who have made mistakes, I have always felt seen and loved. And if you're listening to a podcast, thinking about how you can be a better mother, I can tell you as a child who has felt seen and loved in a world where like it's not easy for a young black girl in the South, um, I think that that's awesome. So... Just knowing that that boy is seen and loved. And isn't that just like, that's like kind of the thing, right? Yeah. Like we all want to be seen. Mm -hmm. And Marie, fuck, without, without me crying right now, I just want to tell you that we see you and you're doing an amazing fucking job. And that's like, you know, and if you haven't heard it today now, you can just put this on a loop. You're doing an amazing fucking job. And that kid is like lucky to have you as his mother. Amen. Way to go, Marie. <laughs> Amen. And also, by the way, if you're listening to this and you're not a parent, you don't need to be a parent to see or hear mm -hmm. people. It's something that you can do every day. It's something that you can reach out to people and say, hey, I appreciate that. Or, hey, I want to check in on you and see how you're doing. It's the easiest thing and it means the world. Be the fun black aunt that you've always wanted. That's who I am. <laughs> I was talking about it before. Yes. Go be the fun black aunt you needed when you were 12. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and like, and I think that that's really, I think that that's really important. Like, I, I mean, for all of us, like moving through this world in this time, especially when we start the show and we're all kind of sad and then we're kind of inspired now after talking to Michelle and, and then hearing from Marie and her own struggles. It's like, there's, there are a lot of ways to like, first of all, to move through and acknowledge that like, the pain and heaviness of this time is real and Absolutely. it requires us to like acknowledge it and meet it. And that's okay. Like it's, it's okay to like cry this whole weekend, right? So now moving forward though, what changes are we going to look for in our own lives and communities to make to like ease that pain a little bit? It made me feel so happy to do those flowers and like arrange those flowers for you this weekend. She They're so here. beautiful. Bought them at the little flower truck and I was like, my friend got this job. I'm really proud of her. Like, I want to just give her these nice flowers. And that's like a small thing, right? Or there's the organization that I work with here where I'm like helping them with school supplies this week. Oh, that's so fun. I miss school supplies. I Honey, don't want to go miss, back. I mean, she it needs can, to go back to school. I do not want to go back to school, but I miss going yeah. to get a fresh Trapper Keeper and making my daddy pay for it. Woo, I miss it. <laughs> you know my... I Is this in my book or have I just told this story so many times that I feel like people know it, but I don't think they do. You know, one of my most humiliating moments of preschool and one of the only things I remember is that I watched... I like loved, loved Bob mm -hmm. Ross. What, who didn't? I, Bob Ross was on whatever program I went to. I went to like morning preschool or afternoon uh -huh. preschool in Chicago. And Bob Ross was on like right before we left the house to go to preschool. And I went to preschool and we had an art thing. And so I was like, oh, I want to paint. I didn't want to paint like a landscape because I'm 
four years old. Yeah. But I was like, I wanted to paint a puppy. I was like, but I know from watching Bob Ross, this is all inside my head, <laughs> but I know from watching Bob Ross, you have to paint the background first. You paint that beautiful background that he does. You know, that like ombre yeah. background. Yeah. And then you put yeah. the thing on top of it. And I worked so hard, you guys, and I made the most beautiful like pinks and whatever background. And then they were like, it's time to clean up. It's art, art time's over. We're going to show everyone our art and tell what we painted. And I was like, I just did the background. I just got the background. I didn't <laughs> oh, get no. the puppy on it. I didn't get the puppy on it. I just got the background. And I was like panicked, panicked, panicked. And I was holding the thing and I was getting so like flustered. And she was like, I'm busy. What is it that you've painted? It literally was just like paint. It was nothing. You know what I mean? It was just like pink ombre kind of paint and I'm holding it up and I'm so flustered I'm like it's a puppy and, <laughs> and then all the kids started laughing because it was just like so clearly not a puppy and then I was like <laughs> trying to explain and she was like uh, this is just, I just remember this so fucking clearly. And she was just like, it's okay. Guys, you know, maybe that's what a puppy looks like to Busy. And it wasn't what a puppy looked like to me. I had just gotten the background done. I didn't get to do the puppy yet. Haunts me. It haunts me. That, well, it's, it's so you. You've stayed the same, you know? Like, people always want us to just do things in a certain amount of time. And we're like... Listen, it takes a little while to like get ramped up and then, you know, then it takes it, it, it takes a while to get to the to the cake that we bake. Exactly. And then once the cake comes out, you know it has to cool before you frost it. Otherwise, that frosting's gonna melt. You're right. And nobody wants <laughs> and fro then, melted frosting. I mean, but it's worth it. It's worth the wait. So everyone stop just trying to end art before that's we're done. Right. I haven't drawn the fucking puppy yet. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I love you so much. I really do. We're going to be back next Wednesday with another fantastic guest. We're talking to some really great people. Um, if you need us, you can reach us at busydoingherbest at gmail.com. And if you want to be grouped into a group text, your deadline is Friday, this Friday, two days from now, September, whatever. Fourth, third, I have no idea what day it is. It's How Friday, is it September. Time is a, time is yeah. a construct. It's a construct like gender. It, yeah, and then also one more exciting thing: if you've been enjoying the theme song of ours, written by Jonathan Colton and performed by Busy Phillips, you can now download the entire song on iTunes. It's called "Doing Her Best," performed by it's Busy Phillips. You. <laughs> it's a bop and you can have it on your iTunes library and you can do whatever you want to do while you're listening exactly. to it. And maybe, and maybe I need to switch the song in my head today from FKA Twig's Sad Day to Doing My Best by myself. Or do a, tra <laughs> or do a trap remix and have it go. I mean, did you listen to that guy's trap song about me? Oh yeah. there is That song is so good. It's so funny. Wait. That song it, is so There good. is another it's song so called Busy Phillips that is a trap song by another unrelated artist. Named Geo the but Kitten. Busy, yeah. It, yeah. And it's it's just very good and very very biographical and detailed. Oh, he did the research. He did no, the he fucking did the work. Lex <laughs> Fit. He, he name checks Lex, Lex Fit. Fit. Yeah. 
He's I a believe fan. Birdie at one point so was if like, you does wanna... he say nachos? I'm like, I don't know. I think he might. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to create a Busy Phillips playlist, you can download Doing Her Best, performed by Busy Phillips, and also this other <laughs> Busy Phillips song by this fine person. We also have an official Instagram account. It's at BP is doing her best on Insta. And you can follow that. And your comments have been so nice. It has, they're like oxygen to me this week. Yeah, it's really buoyed our spirits. Yeah, it's been nice. Um, And and keep it kind, We got to keep it kind. And if you have anything bad to say, just wait until I pair you in the group thread and then you you guys can like talk shit about me. And I don't ever, I don't ever need to know. I don't ever need to know. (laughs) Truly. It's none of our business. It's none of my business what you think about me if it's bad. (laughs) If it's great, bring it here. I don't subscribe to that bullshit that if you read all the good things, you got to read all the bad. I don't no, believe in it. Not. Guys, I love you both. Um, I'm sending you guys out there so much love. This week has been hard. We got through it together. We're going to continue to get through it. There will be hard weeks in the weeks ahead and there will be good weeks. There will be Niecy Nash getting married to her love Jessica Betts. We will have those moments too. That's just what life is. Um, But until next time, continue to do your best. I'm going to continue to do mine and I love you. Goodbye. Oh, no.